everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today, we have our guest, Julius Solaris. He's the VP of Marketing Strategy and Events at Hopin. And today, we're going to be talking about everything events, um, from online, you know, virtual events, hybrid events, like what's the... Um, state of events now, especially for B2B marketers, and where are we going? And also, how do we operationalize this? Like, how do we create a strategy and operationalize in a way where we're really creating effective events that drive revenue? Uh, So welcome, Julius. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chrissy. Thanks for the opportunity. Very excited to talk to you today and uh, to virtually meet your audience. Yeah, for sure. Well, I first found out about Hopin um, when one of our clients at CS2 Gong uh, used Hopin for their conference. Um, And that was basically right after uh, the pandemic hit. And I think when Hopin was starting to get popular and come out as like this amazing solution to try and replicate that kind of experience that we had at conferences, uh, uh, that we all missed and we were used to. Um, and so, uh, one of the things that I saw as a benefit is everyone was kind of looking to zoom, but then we're all using zoom throughout our days. And it's a very kind of, you know, webinar type experience, but how do you take that even further and trying to replicate events? So for our listeners who don't know what Hopin is, could you just describe it briefly for them and what you're, what you all are doing at Hopin, what your mission is? Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, great intro, by the way, you touched on some very, very key points for us, by the way, in terms of the, the experience of all of us attending virtual events since the past couple of years. And uh, it's an interesting story, right? Because our founder, Johnny Bufferhat, he was confined in bed by, for an autoimmune disease for two years. And he was wow. frustrated with the experience of webinars, right? But he still wanted to be in touch with his community and attend all these great events that were happening around him. And so he decided to build a platform that would take a different approach to, to the concept of meeting online that would have some elements that uh, we all feel when we are at an event in person, but online. And that, that I guess, became the, the product uh, feature that uh, made uh, Hopin uh, viral to a certain extent. He went through to, to what we all went through uh, mm-hmm. later on, a few months later, because it was founded in 2019. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. Great that, timing. That, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, but but then again, I mean, it's not like Hopping was the only virtual platform Yeah. Um, at the time. There were a lot of other uh, platforms back then. There were a lot of other companies that came from the event industry that quickly mm-hmm. created tools. Yet Hopping had something different, I feel. Um, that that became kind of the virality of it, um, the ability to create a, a different experience. You touched on a very important point there, uh, <clears throat> to create something that moves away from a webinar type of experience, from a kind of one directional type of uh, uh, of event to a more participative, engaging experience where uh, you just like feel a little bit more immersed into what what what's happening. And immersion is like a big deal, right? Because uh, in this distraction-driven environment where we are at home, um, you you kind of start to miss out on uh, opportunities to meet other people, to listen to interesting content, to be entertained um, in a virtual um, environment. Therefore, yeah, that's the story. And then we went from a few 
uh, people to almost a thousand people from a bootstrap company to a billion dollar funded company in two years. So yeah, it's a crazy ride. It's an amazing story. It definitely stands out to me, like as I've been watching Hopin and all the success and the, you know, it, it, like you mentioned in a short period of time, but I think it was a, you know, mix of seeing that market fit. Cause I think for a while, um, you know, being on the B2B marketing side and seeing that, you know, webinars just, it's just like an old school, you know, kind of tactic. And I think most people will sign up for a webinar and then just never attend because they just know, oh, it's just going to be like this PowerPoint presentation I'm being talked at. And what's my incentive for going? So I think if we truly want to create these experiences where we're engaging the prospects or our customers, it needs to be something more than that. And but also on the flip side, one benefit that I see too is, you know, events are really expensive, event production, in-person events. So if you want to maybe limit that to certain areas, but then still have events that maybe where anyone can join um, or do a mixture of both like hybrid events, I think it's really great. So you don't have to do these like huge road shows where you're going to every city and some are amazing and then, you know, some aren't. So there's, I just see a ton of value with that. Um, so before we go in, yeah, before we go into our questions, I want to just take one segue, but just, I, I think for our listeners, you know, you're working at Hopin now, but you have a history of working in events or in the event industry. So could you talk a little bit about that and then how that led you to running marketing strategy and events now at Hopin? Thanks for asking. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love events. The events are kind of my life. Like they go uh, hand in hand with my profession. You know, I became a blogger when it was a thing, like, you know, when it was uh, hot to be a blogger, I, 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 I had this purpose that I wanted to uh, sort of build my uh, sort of financial independence blogging. And uh, I did that failing for a few years. Then I, I kind of I got the gist of it and um, started a business and I sold that business in 2019, which ended up being like one of the most read platform for event planners online. We did a lot of bunch of research. Uh, mm -hmm. I've always been amazed by the intersection of technology and events. Uh, I've been one of the first ones to talk about the use of hashtags in events. I'm that old, you can imagine. So uh, mm -hmm. I've been also fascinated by uh, the new challenges of social media and, and been doing a lot, bunch of research worked and looked at all the platforms out there from Cvent to Eventbrite to you name it. Mm -hmm. um, and therefore, um, I sold my business in 2019 to Skift, uh, which is a great, by the way, the website was called EventMB and it is called EventMB.com. Mm. And um, um, sold the business to Skift, large travel media. And I was like uh, pacing out a new experience and then a pandemic hit. And uh, I was uh, back in the driver's seat again and yeah. thinking entrepreneurially. Uh, we started a bunch of virtual events ourselves that ended up being among the most successful, I would say, that the industry has ever seen. We've had six, seven events with like 60,000 plus uh, event planners wow. participating, which, you know, to give you a sense of the scale, it's probably five times the size of the biggest show that you would ever have annually. Yeah. So it's incredible audience. And that kind of changed a little bit. Uh, my career, I, I kind of uh, uh, navigated away and started joining the dark side, as they call it, uh, in uh, in our community, which is the event tech, 
uh, part. Mm-hmm. It was my passion. I always wanted to be involved with event tech at some stage, mm. and therefore uh, made the transition first um, to another company, event technology, uh, last year February, and then ended up at Open. So that's a short story. That's cool. Yeah, I love that that you have like this passion and experience, and then being able to now you know, market and evangelize something that you like really feel passionate about, I think is great. It's it's very rare that a marketer gets to be that person who is like, oh, I'm just, you know, love what I'm selling. I really believe in it, but that just makes your job just, just so much easier and more fun. So I think that's just such a, and you have real empathy, you know, you've been blogging about, um, running events, producing them. You've been in that role before. So when you have that understanding and true empathy of like who your buyer is and who's using the product, I feel like it just, you know, just makes for better marketing and engaging those I feel, prospects. I feel there's a wider trend here in terms of like marketing, com- like companies that are like adopting a different approach to marketing and like being closer to their community of reference, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'm not making it about me. I, I've seen probably 10, 15 people that transition from media uh, or from some sort of uh, influence in the community to marketing teams within tech companies. Is like, you know, it's a very delicate moment to talk to this community as well. The amount of drama and mm-hmm. uh, damage that has been done to this industry is just unbelievable. First to go, last to come back. That's how we say it, right? Um, in, in terms of the event mm-hmm. industry. It's, it's been, I've seen people that have worked 20, 30 years losing everything overnight. So it's not, it's not an easy moment mm-hmm. to, to have. A traditional yeah. marketing approach. So I feel more direct way to talk to these people is needed and uh, not just in events. I feel in many, many verticals. So yeah, I commend Hopin and all those companies, to be honest, even our competitors that did similar choices. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so what is what do you think is like the state right now? What do you think is... We're kind of in this, still in a pandemic, but we're post kind of quarantining phases in most cases. Uh, what do you see is like the best type of event right now or the choices of events um, versus like in-person or hybrid and online? And how do you kind of match those to like what the goal is uh, for some event marketers who are maybe kind of scratching their heads, like where do I go next or what should I double down in? How should I even plan? I think a lot of people are looking at FY22. How are we doing our planning? You know, um, so what? Where do you think we're at right now at this phase? Um, yeah, I mean, being an event coordinator has been consistently in the top five most stressful professions in the world for <laughs> 10 years in a row. I don't think it's getting any easier in 2022. Uh, if not, uh, you know, the amount of uncertainty is even more uh, present. But like, I also equally realize that your audience marketing teams, um, event planners, they wanna hear about solutions to this. And I feel talking about tangible, actionable um, things that you need to consider. Um, there's never been a more fluid concept of what an event is than, than what we're seeing today. Like literally you can have pre-recorded video, create conversations about it and still call it an event, right? You can have, uh, you know, in person, you can have hybrid. So I feel the best strategy today, it's what we call hybrid event strategy 
as opposed to a hybrid event. So let me define what a hybrid event is for those that may um, not necessarily sure. grasp immediately the concept. Usually we, we uh, refer to a hybrid event pre-pandemic, I must say, as like an event that is happening uh, for an online audience and an offline audience at the same time. So in-person and online. So mm -hmm. a synchronous type of experience where the two audiences somehow are um, also called to interact with each other. So that has evolved, mm -hmm. I believe. Yes, that's part of the mix. Uh, you can do that. It's especially important right now for that, if you're in the US, for that international audience that cannot travel, for example. The big inclusion yeah. component in, in that uh, paradigm. But like we're not chasing that at all costs. We feel it's about freedom of choice for your team, your audience, your event to choose the best tool that makes sense at the moment. And that could be in person, that could be a hybrid, that could be virtual. It's however, whenever, wherever it matters to your audience. That's how we like to see. So we, as a company, we like to be ready at all touch points and offer the best possible tool. Consider that you need to have an inclusive all-in-one type of strategy where at least like you have the tools that matter mm -hmm. to sort of uh, propagate that strategy um, and be flexible enough to change at the last uh, minute. But it's transitioning also the meaning yeah. of events, I would say, uh, into more like touch points that you have through the year with virtual activations, for example, that culminate into a big in-person meeting that it's kind of keeps that homecoming feeling in a sense of getting together, right? That transition, that relationship yeah. between virtual and in-person is stronger than ever. I love that. I like the kind of like figuring out that strategy of just virtual activations that could culminate in an in-person event. I think having those, you know, that ability to kind of, you know, garner people's attention. But like you said, you, you talked about, you built a community before, but it's kind of what you're doing. You're finding ways to pull in people from different areas, build a sense of like community with Hopin or with your brand, and then take those people in that community and connect them together in this culminating event. And I think that's a, a really interesting idea. But like you said, being able to pivot fast, like if you have to decide, okay, we're not going to do this in person, it has to be online or virtual. Um, given we know that this pandemic has changed, you know, and fluctuated multiple times, you never know what new law or measure is going to come out. Um, but I think having a platform that supports that or and also a strategy that can account for that, I think is is uh, you know really smart and super important and probably what a lot of event marketers are realizing they have to do. You know, I think there's only so many um, times where you can like put a deposit down for an in-person event and then lose that money. Yeah, no. You're 100% you're <laughs> yeah. right. I was witnessing a conversation about this in an industry event in person that I attended a couple of weeks ago and uh, about force majeure and, you know, these like contractual negotiate, which is a big deal for a lot of uh, planners right now. I, actually, the most attended session of the whole event was about contract negotiation and, and yeah. all of that, right? Yeah. So what, what came out of it is that you got to be intentional if you want to do in person. Like, you got, like, if you make that mm -hmm. decision, you kind of have to be sure. Like, you got you to gotta go for it. Uh, yeah. That's like CES did for, to a certain extent. Like, 
despite everybody dropping out and the negative media, they still went ahead. Like you, they still, you still have to do yeah. it. Uh, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of uh, ethical questions. There's a lot of uh, laws. So it's not an easy decision, but once you make it, uh, you have to stand for it. Totally. Yeah. Um, you mentioned one thing too about inclusion, like including people from different countries. But one thing that I've also been thinking about recently is for um, the benefit of like a hybrid or giving people experience to be from anywhere is like also just inclusion for, you know, handicapped or abled people, like people who actually can't be there or even to your CEO, you know, he had an immune dis you know disorder and like being immune suppressed but those are all things that i think before we never really thought about it's kind of sad that we didn't think about it but like how do we make our events also just more inclusive across the board from where you are what's blocking you from being there even outside of the pandemic those things will still be there it won't change well you're asking a very very dear uh question this is uh this is a topic i care about quite a lot um, and, um, you know, to me, uh, what happened uh, from March 2020 uh, was, in a sense, I like to call it uh, the biggest advertisement that the event industry has ever had, uh, because, like, we got to experience mm. events that we could never attend before, because we couldn't go there, we couldn't afford them, uh, couldn't travel to it. Some countries didn't get the visa for it. You have to think about that. It's a mm -hmm. nightmare. I've seen literally event tech platforms started just on the basis of someone's mother who couldn't travel to an event because of visa. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's these strong motivators. Uh, we still want to feel part of the community. So there's, there's the short-termism of thinking, okay, people, you know, there's a pandemic. We need to kind of make up for it. So hybrid makes sense for that. Then there's the long-term vision. And the long-term vision is one of the uh, radical inclusion, I like to call it, inclusion at all costs, right? Uh, no matter what, mm -hmm. because some people cannot be there for any reason, because they have children, because they have stuff going on in their life. And time does matter quite a lot these days. We all realize that. So um, totally. given that opportunity, it's incredibly important. I feel that, I hope that, that inclusion part is not only on the attendee side, but also on the sponsor side on the speaker side which has always been you know we've all seen the manuals going around you know the male panels and and all of that uh, yeah. personally i made the choice you know in all my events last year to to not pick the usual faces but like take that opportunity to really change the lineups being more representative of an audience that it's kind of 80 percent female in our industry so and you see yet you see all these these uh, panels made of the opposite sex. So what what is happening there? So um, I feel that that's the component of it. Sustainability is another component mm -hmm. of it as well. Talking about topics that matter. It's not like the sustainability crisis is going to go away. Uh, and you know, hybrid events by uh, research that has been just published are a direct way to cut a waste and emissions um, by almost like fifty percent. Mm -hmm. Um, of a traditional event. You have to think about some industries like the traditional industry being for some, some of the most wasteful um, in the world. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's a direct way to, to contribute to these important causes. Yeah, I think 
both of those things. So from a sustainability standpoint, I think it's really interesting because I think all these benefits people don't really think about, like we're always thinking about moving to hybrid or moving to virtual as this sacrifice. And it's like, well, actually there's a lot of opportunities that can arise from it too. You know, like the sustainability point, you know, but I used to go, you know, to Dreamforce every year and you see all of like the waste and, you know, you, I've even been, uh, you know, helping out when my companies have been a sponsor in the past and you see what goes into it. There's a, a lot of waste and, and everyone's combat was like, well, we're going to give out like reusable water bottles. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's one good step. But to your point, like actually, uh, you know, having that hybrid approach or not enforcing that people need to travel there, fly. And all, you know, the it cuts that waste. It also potentially saves budget so they could do more marketing instead of having to pay for their teams to be there. But um, I think that's an interesting thing that I think not a lot of uh, marketers think about. And then to your point on, on like mantles or panels, I think that it's uh, it's something that, you know, you saying that, okay, I have this ability to make that change and be an ally and decide, okay, we need to, uh, there's a problem, right? Like the, the stats don't line up. I think a lot of people, when they think, oh, we need an expert, they always think of a male. It's like, why do we do that? You know, there's a lot of women that are experts in their fields. And, but when instantly it's just the same kind of, echo chamber of like people that get chosen. So I think um, spreading the word of how we need to have more representation across the experts that we include in our panels, I I think is, is great. There's been a lot more, there's a lot more focus on that now. As marketers, as planners, we have a lot of power to decide who goes on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, So we used to use that power and like, we understand the, the sort of biases, you know, that are not necessarily, you know, conscious biases sometimes, right? They're very unconscious biases yeah. that have to dig deep to understand. And I've been battling my own. I've been, like, looking at my previous lineups and see, like, why why did I make these decisions? Were there really no alternatives mm-hmm. to these, these lineups? Uh, or was I just being lazy and just, you know, operating in, in different directions? This is a wider topic, I guess, but still an important yeah. one because yeah. you know, the, the virtual opportunity leveled up a lot the keynote speaking circuit as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, just like that added point to like being getting more speakers, like for some women, like they don't have flexible schedules. They maybe are a caretaker. They have kids. And so giving them that flexibility to not have to take like three days traveling somewhere and getting there, I think just alone uh, creates more opportunities. You're so, so right. You're um, so right. I mean, yeah. you got to make it easy. Yeah. But then again, I also realized yeah. there's a lot of people that think, you know, we're still in business. We're talking about making business events. In most cases, we're not talking about weddings, you know, sports, or whatever. Um, and, you know, planning a hybrid event feels like planning two separate events. Like, and it's not like one wasn't enough. You know what I mean? Like, one was quite a yeah. lot to do already. <laughs> so you're asking us to do twice the work with half the team in some cases, which is what is happening yeah. right now. Um and, you know, with crazy lead times and things that are changed, like this is a, 
this is a very delicate and not easy topic for a lot of people that really embrace all of what we discuss, but then they're faced with the reality and it's not an easy one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a lot of people in marketing ops that listen to our podcasts. And I think when you talk about having, like being low on resources and figuring out where you're going to support, all those teams like definitely feel the pain there. And they're supporting our event marketers too. And how do we best do that? So, but I want to go now into kind of talking about human connections. Cause I think I, one of our past podcasts too, we talk about the importance of creating like human centric touch points, especially in marketing. And I think that's where marketing is going. And I think we've always kind of seen more of that focus on the B2C side, but then now B2B marketers and forward thinking ones realize like that's, that should be all of marketing, right? Like how do we engage the person? How do we you know, create more human to human experiences. So what are some ways that um, a platform like Hopin or a certain strategy can, that you suggest could do that? Like, what are some examples? That's a fantastic question, Chrissy. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. Um, um, I feel there's two things to focus on. So first off, um, I've been digging deeper in terms of um, what, Everybody said in the first six months of the pandemic, evaluating their virtual experience. And when they were saying, like, we're missing face-to-face, -face. we're missing face-to-face, -face. this is not the same experience. Why? Mm. I was asking, like, what are we referring to when we say that? And um, yeah. to me, uh, the answer was about a concept that we call, what we call, it's defined as uh, liminality. Or you can call it serendipity to a certain extent. And like when you attend an in-person mm. event, you're attending a keynote session, you know what the next breakout session is going to be. So you have that schedule in your mind. But the walk that you do from the keynote hall to the next breakout session, that where that's where you go outside of your comfort zone in liminal yeah. spaces yeah. such as uh, the corridor or the coffee break. And that's where actually the real magic of events happen. That's what you remember about an event. It's not the keynote speaker. It's not like maybe you will remember like memorable quote. But what you feel in those sort of uh, out of your comfort zone moments um, is where the serendipitous moment happens and you meet someone that you like or changes your business or life or whatever. And, and I feel that um, as a platform, we have a little bit of that. I feel that part of the virality um, of uh, hopping at the beginning, especially, was Due to one module that I love, I attended an event uh, from StreamYard, the company that we acquired uh, last year. They do their quarterly meeting, which is fantastic. I really invite everybody to attend. It's just like made of creators. So it's so engaging and amazing. But I spent mm. like an hour of it in our networking shuffle, um, sort of part of the platform where you just click and you get randomly matched to attendees and you get three minutes to talk to each other and then you can extend if you like each other or just move on. And it's, I met mm. so many incredible people and I spent so much time, I created connections and that felt as I was in an in-person event, like introducing myself, even better. Because honestly, as an introvert, I don't go to people and like say, hi, I'm Julia, it's nice to meet you. I can't do that, it's like forcing myself. So as an introvert, I have that ability now to do it on camera, we're a little bit more in control. But one, that's one element. Um, that I would definitely, you know, find that liminal serendipitous moment in your platform, create breakout sessions, whatever it is, 
you know, get people to connect mm -hmm. in different ways. The second part is literally about, you know, the way you design your events. The platform has to help, but the way you design them is so important. And like thinking that we're humans stressed with kids, with stuff going on with my, with whatever noise outside that we have to take care of. There's always so much going on. And, you know, I think there's a split of 50-50 in how you plan your events. One is content, 50 is content. Mm. The rest of it is catering for us as humans. And uh, those events mm. that do best, that really engage the audience, and engagement means success. Whenever you engage the audience, you're having a successful event. The correlation is there in our data. So are those that do, it's our, it's our all hands Friday meeting. I talk about that all the time. It's my favorite event of the week. It's a mandatory meeting on a Friday morning at 7 a.m. Can you think about anything worse than that? But I'm actually, I can't wait <laughs> to go there. It's like my, and when there's holidays, I have FOMO. I really miss it because it's so fun. Like, you know, it starts with music. Everybody's in the chats, posting gifts. And, you know, there's like, everybody's dancing and there's competitions and there's, you know, costumes sort of, uh, whatever, show up in costume moments and Halloween parties. And there's always something happening. And uh, there's the business update. There's the CEO speaking. There's the, the good news, the not so good news. Everything is shared. But it's also like a moment for us to connect. There's sessions about mindfulness. There's yoga. So we have to really think about us as human beings. And that vanilla, high-level, wishy-washy, however you want to call it, level to some business minds. Um, it's actually as important, if not more, sometimes that your content. Yeah, no, I think that the same way that we look at engaging our employees, I mean, even like our, our friends, our families, like I think a lot of people will like everyone at some point has been an event planner. If you've like had people over to your house, you've been an event planner. You just plan to have a gathering. People came, you let them know what time you kind of set a mild agenda. We're going to be eating dinner or we're going to like, play, you know, watch a f something. Everyone has done type of event planning over a certain oh, what's age. What's your favorite so event you plan, think <laughs> I I'm a big uh, cook, so I love any kind of like dinner party and stuff like that. But now that I have a daughter, it's a bit harder. But I still, yeah, anything revolving around food, maybe because I'm Italian. You are. So. Oh, we shared that. Though. I'm <laughs> Italian too. Um, yeah, so my mom's Sicilian. She came from Sicily. I don't even know if I've talked about that on the podcast before, but um, but yeah, so maybe the Italian nature have is that up. European. Uh, it, but like you know, what makes you feel feel, feel uh, good about that event is literally what what matters the most. And like the food is important as a connector, but it's not about the food, right? It's about it's about that feeling no. where everybody's sitting down and talking and having a glass and going through all of that. You know that that's what makes us sort of vibrate as uh, as uh, I guess as human beings, and that's what we remember. That's what we need to recreate in person, online, whatever. Totally, and I think that you. I like how you say fifty fifty, that strategy of content versus the the kind of human connection, because I think a lot of the time people go into the event with like ninety content. And then, you know, maybe we'll leave some time for like 
Q&A at the end or we'll do a breakout session, but we're not really 100% sure like how, what's going to be involved in that breakout session. So I, I think, um, you know, creating that engagement, using this time to actually um, entertain. I think sometimes we think also, in, especially in, in B2B marketing, like, oh, this is serious. We're talking about serious business here. We can't entertain. But if you look at the most successful brands, that's what they're doing. They're entertaining. They And then they still lead with good content. 50% of content, at least it's good content. And actually, I think that that makes it better because I think a lot of the times when we just try and fill content, we're just filling fluff or demos or something like that in our conferences. When really we have the chance to let people learn from each other, let people teach each other like, oh, this is how I'm using the platform. This is the amazing success I'm having. But also this is my state. Like, can you empathize with me? This is what my work life is like. I'm sure yours is like that too. And this is how I'm getting value. So letting everyone engage with each other takes that weight off of, you know, your team and your brand to really sell and educate and push that content. You're creating these experiences that are a bit more, um, honest and genuine, um, but still gets you that same effect. Spot on. I, I wish all, all marketers and planners would think the way you do, because that's exactly what, what it's all about. And we feel safer, right? That's It's a problem that, that mm-hmm. it's kind of a, um, intrinsic with, with planning events. It's kind of a, a bad heritage of the event planning industry that I've been fighting against as a rebel for quite a while. In a sense that, you know, what's the first thing you think about when you have to plan an event, right? You book a venue and you find the speakers and then whatever. The rest is like, you know, who cares? Those are the, maybe you have to sell sponsorships mm-hmm. and tickets and that's, that's what matters. But at the end of the day, um, what really matters is really the connection, the opportunity to get people together and connect with each other. And uh, that's how we evaluate events. That's what research says, not, not what Julius said. Uh, we evaluate events by means of connection, not by means of information that we're getting. So mm-hmm. to think that the speaker, I mean, the speakers do add, don't get me wrong. An event has to be an event. There needs to be some level of novelty to it. Otherwise, it's just like, why should I turn up? Yeah. I can just go on YouTube and just like watch a video. Um, so yeah, th- you need to have that component, but it's not only about that. And we really have to... Uh, push the boundaries of our perceived um, comfort zone because actually relying on speakers and choosing like a fancy venue, that's, that's what everybody else is doing. And it's not like we love that about events pre-pandemic. We're actually like frustrated about it in most cases. So, yeah. Um. 100% agree. I think you mentioned about like measuring engagement or being like a success point. Um, How are, how are you, well, how are some of your customers doing that? Or how is, you know, how's your team doing that? Or what do you think is a good way to try and even like measure engagement? Because I know it's like, in some ways it's a feeling you're creating those experiences, but is there a way through Hopin or any other ways that your team has defined as a great way to actually show uh, or measure engagement with your audience? So uh, that's that's an amazing question. I feel that, um, you know, this is the opportunity for everybody listening, right? So we're entering uh, a cookie-less uh, era where 
you know, understanding yeah. more about our customers is going to become increasingly more difficult. And as a result, though, we have this behavior on bands in general, whether in person or virtual, where not only I'm sometimes paying for a ticket, but I'm giving you all the data that you need just for uh, the means of mm -hmm. access to your content or the people of that community. Not only that, once you're in the platform, there's hundreds, if not thousands of data points within the platform in terms of your behavior, where, what sessions you attended, what documents you downloaded. And so all of a sudden you have this opportunity uh, within, a very, within a very sort of a fragmented um, environment to own a lot of depth in the, your data piece that is actually going to help you to not only create more engaging programs, uh, but also be more effective in marketing in general. Um, so mm -hmm. that's the birth of a new category, I believe. There's virtual events as we know it. They've been around for 15 years plus, but what happened in the past two years, I keep on saying it, we've seen more development in, development in event technology platforms in the past 20 months than in the past 20 years. We released hundreds yeah. of features just the last year alone. So don't assume you know. Wow. Like, don't, don't assume that if you check like a platform in April 2020, you know about it. You know, recheck everything because <laughs> it's like completely different um, um, in a positive way. Uh, and therefore, uh, what it means for engagement. I've been talking about engagement uh, because this was an issue with in-person events. It's not something that started with virtual. Yeah. Um, and so trying to understand this, I wrote a book about it. Can you believe it? So, you know, I, I quite, I've, I've been digging quite a lot on the topic and looking at all the research. I feel that some of the features we're releasing over the next few months, um, I've been talking about for 15 years, like as kind of the way mm. the future, maybe we would have tools like the ones we're releasing. So I'm, I, I don't even, like I get the shivers even talking about the stuff that we're releasing in terms of engagement and analyzing and being able to understand what's happening. Um, until we do that, we have up to 40 reports available in terms of what's happening in your event. And, uh, you know, we see that 85% of our audience, of our planners, spend time in the analytics dashboard digging deeper. Sometimes they hire extra talent just to look at that and make it strategic for the business. Yeah. Um, and you have to think that this is an industry where 60%, like 40% of planners that I interviewed before don't even like look at data or don't even require data in the platform. So can you think about that? Like 40% of planners in general don't look at data, yet 85% of planners that use Opin do look at analytics. That's a major shift that is happening right now under our eyes. Totally. And I think that we, I, I, for a marketer, like I think having the data to analyze, like there's, there's two things. It's like figuring out ways that you can improve. That's like the best thing instead of just like, okay, we need analytics to just prove something. Okay. Yes. Like we had this event. It was amazing. We have this engagement, but also what we always talk about on, on our podcast, like data for marketers is also your chance to improve or even figure out what's actually working. And that's data you should be pushing back into your own practices and your team. Don't just think of data as this like, oh, we're going to create a slide for our, you know, our C-suite and board, you know, board to know like how engaging our events are. It's like, 
well, actually the data there can, you know, like you say, you can do so much with it and it can even, um, educate like what you're going to do for marketing strategy. Like you said, like if you see certain sessions are getting more attendance rate, that means that those topics, you know, are more relatable to your audience. You can double down on creating more content for that. Um, if you see, certain titles or, or people going to certain ones too, then you can really try to get a sense for like, okay, those are the pain points that those personas are dealing with. So like there's things that you can take from that data that not only can help your events and improve those, but like you said, really, you know, help inform your marketing. Cause you know, you talk about research and you have a very research minded approach, which I love. Um, but having that data and that data set and a, a big pool of people, especially if you're running a big event, just gives you something to work off of rather than just like, oh, I'm going to try and come up with something that I think might work. Totally. Um, yeah. And then and I feel that the um, the step that is required that the market is kind of screaming for in terms of um, our platform, every platform, event technology platform in, in general it's kind of like, um, you know, the so what of data, right? So yeah. Yeah. we need to move away from vanity metrics that are just like, you know, clicks, whatever, impression, and, and give like a more systematic framework to our customers to uh, make the right decisions and uh, understand really what's going on uh, at their events. And I feel we're, we're actually getting there. This is part of the beauty of being mm -hmm. uh, at Hopin is that, you know, we're kind of a starting a new movement in a sense of like, the way we look at events, the way we look at this category. Uh, there's everybody kind of gets why events are are great, but it's what I like to refer to an exchange of fresh air almost in most cases, right? You say that like, yeah, a great event, but but yeah, but how? How do you measure that? How do you how do you justify that to the business? Because it's expensive and it's a big deal. And it's a pain in the, in the neck to to plan these these big events, right? So yeah, if we can deliver that tangibility, yeah. that's a whole different game. Yeah, you basically answered what my what my next question was going to be that I was trying, you know, for some event marketers listening or marketing ops folks, you know, uh, or anyone like VPs, if you are thinking about, you know, buying a piece of technology to help you power your events like hop in, you know, it's it's good to have a list of kind of outcomes or compelling cases um, so you can even track the effectiveness and, and go into it with a strategy. We always talk about it here, like technology, you need a strategy first and then technology to match that. Of course, the technology can be like deciding how, you know, where there's limitations in your strategy. There might be less limitations if you find the right tech to support that. But what do you think for those marketers? And I will say marketers work with your technology team or your marketing ops person together, work together to make that decision. Cause I think both, both teams need to be set up for success to implement, but what do you think would be like a, one of the best compelling cases or outcomes that they should go in to like an implementation or selecting a tool with? Yeah. I feel that, Closing the loop with with uh, marketing and uh, operations and and work effectively as a team is like the number one um, sort of approach that that you gotta have today as a team, being as cross functional as possible. 
because events touch on so many mm -hmm. points. Um, there, there's so more than just like one objective. Yes, I mean, you, you need to have a main objective for your activation, whatever it is, you know, it could be awareness, it could be, you know, direct sales, support, internal events. But like, yeah, I mean, that's present, but people perceive more when you show up in an event, right? It's so much more encompassing. And therefore, uh, that's why there's, there's a collaborative sort of approach requested at the beginning. Um, otherwise, you kind of end up in these, I don't want to use like marketing jargon here, but these silos where um, you're thinking one way, um, but you're forgetting about that human connection, that serendipity, that engagement is actually going to represent probably the spark that is going to drive your strategy for the next few months, right? Because you see that from mm -hmm. a customer that attended a specific session, some mega deal came out. Um, so yeah. being as open-minded as possible with our events programs. I mean, at, at Hopin, for example, we did that event a few months ago called Event Minded about um, mental health yeah. in the events industry. So, you know, this is, this yeah. is, uh, this is how so transversal the, the conversation is becoming uh, when it gets to, you know, our motto at Hopin is feel closer um, because, you know, we, mm. we feel that um, despite the availability of tools and we've never been as connected as we are, we still feel very, very alone uh, in this moment in time. And therefore, the mission of these, technology, these technologies and events in general should be to get people together and feel that closeness. That has to start within teams um, in cross-functional ways. Um, only then you're really mastering uh, the tool that you have at hand. And it's not about features. Uh, you know, we, we don't play the feature battle. Like, you know, you got to find platforms yeah. that do more than we do in terms of like specific subgroups that need to connect with like even though like we're getting pretty specific too but our our sort of um our strategy is about experience it's about creating that feeling uh it's almost like apple versus you know palm back in the days right it's just about yeah maybe we don't have all the features but like the experience of being on that phone in 2007 that's that's a different game yeah, I think a lot of marketing ops are and just marketers using like any MarTech, like doesn't, loads of features doesn't mean more effective. I think in some ways it's like, where do you start? I think when there's simplicity and when there's a, you know, mindful approach to like, okay, these are the things that are really going to um, be valuable for your audience and make them feel co closer. If you have that intention, it's even sometimes a bit simpler to understand what the strategy is going to be. So um, yeah, I think that that's really good advice, but we are out of time. Um, I feel like I could probably keep talking about no. this for ages. I'm sure you can yeah. too, uh, Julius, but, um, for those of you who want to, um, follow Julius on LinkedIn, we'll be sharing his profile. He shares also a lot of, um, great research and tips to, um, his followers and we'll link to Hopin's website as well. And, um, yeah, for everyone thinking about how to create more, you know, the human connection in your events and, um, you know, definitely check out, check out Hopin and check out what Julius is uh, talking about on his LinkedIn. So thank you so much, Julius, for sharing your insights. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure.
Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Forward Thinking, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends. Um, And if you enjoyed the past few episodes, feel free to leave a review. We really appreciate it. Um, We'll see you uh, next time on Forward Thinking. Have a good one. 